So when I think about my interview with Brittany Nicole Connor Savarda, she really brings out a really great point. And it really is about why, as a society, we are looking for quick fixes versus truly understanding the root cause of what are the issues or maybe even opportunities that exist in our world. You know, sometimes if somebody's ill, we will throw a pill at it. If our children perhaps are misbehaving, we will put an electronic device in front of them to keep them quiet. Or for the child that has a temper tantrum, maybe in the supermarket, we do what we can to appease them, but maybe, maybe they just need to have that time to express themselves. I think as a society, we are simply not disciplined to seek and understand what are the underlying causes for human behavior. But as a society, we seek the quick fix because we don't want the noise. It is hard to try to understand why people behave a certain way. But again, you will thoroughly enjoy this interview with Brittany Nicole Condor Servada. She brings us back to a humanity and simply the curiosity of understanding why humans behave the way they do. Let's listen. No, social media is not the problem. It's a tool. And it is how it's being used that is the problem. And how it is being used is a direct indicator of our society's behavior and mindset and emotional intelligence. So we need to stop focusing on social media as the problem and say, why are we using social media to create a problem and really trace it back to the root source? And it's because we are always looking for the next thing that's going to solve our problems very quickly. That's the way our society has been structured. And that goes to the being versus doing. And so what I wanted to focus on is why is our society like this? First off, before we go and try and fix things, because we're trying to fix it in the wrong ways. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am grateful that you have returned for another episode of The Drop-In CEO podcast. And if this is your first time, thank you. Thank you for listening. I sincerely hope you enjoy this time together. Please share, subscribe, rate, review, and let others know about this amazing program. But today, the honor is truly mine to introduce to you Brittany Nicole Connor Savada. She is the author of The EQ Deficiency and founder and editor-in-chief of Emotional Intelligence Magazine. Brittany Nicole earned degrees in early childhood education and psychology, is certified as a neuro-linguistic program practitioner and heart math trainer. As a credentialed and respected people whisperer, Brittany Nicole specializes in self-awareness and emotional resilience and helps individuals, organizations, and families. So it is my distinct honor to bring her and all of her amazing uh, insights to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Deb. It is an honor to be on the show. Thanks for having me. 
I just cannot wait to have this conversation. A special shout out to Chuck Cooper, who has introduced us when Brittany and I met just to get to know each other. And again, I value building the relationship with the people that I bring on the show. I was so impressed by her insights around emotional intelligence. And while there is a lot of literature out there, I find her perspectives very unique and very applicable to leaders, regardless of where they are at in their career and transformation. And I would also like to acknowledge that she is mature in her thoughts. I never thought of things like this until I got later in my career. She is an amazing, youthful talent. And I celebrate her generation for having such insights and hope that she can have amazing impact on so many more people. So I would love, love, Brittany, Nicole, for you to share more about yourself personally, but also the journey that you've been on to be able to impact so many people. Thanks, Deb. I'm glad that we don't have video because I'm blushing right now. Thanks for the (laughs) flattery. I appreciate it. (laughs) You know, I think the reason that I have such a deep connection to emotional intelligence is because I spent seven years going through (laughs) the pits of emotional hell, so to speak, finding myself. And I think it's when we do the work ourselves that we're able to see beyond those surface level elements that are being talked about these days regarding emotional intelligence. I was raised, so I'm going to take it way back if that's okay. As we were talking about before we hit the record button, I'm the only child and only grandchild on my father's side. So I was raised around all adults and I was always told that I was an old soul when I was a child because I just loved hanging around the adults. I just never connected with my age group for some reason. They were very immature. Even when I was younger, I saw them that way. And I loved having deep, rich conversations with people. I liked asking why, which I think a lot of kids like asking why, right? But during my upbringing, you know, my family on both sides experienced anxiety and a lot of emotional turbulence, lack of effective communication. And while my parents and my grandparents were neighbors and my grandparents took care of me when my parents were working, they had a lot of issues going on there. And they went for a decade without even speaking to one another, being neighbors. So that put me in a very awkward position at a young age. I always felt like I was the middleman, the glue that held everyone together. And so I became a coach at a very young age, trying to pull everyone together. And what I didn't realize at the time was I was taking on all of this responsibility, which led to my own anxiety. And when I was in my late teens, I started having panic attacks and I started to exhibit codependent behavior. I was very controlling. I needed to have control of other people and my life. And I was also a terrible student. And the reason I bring that up is because later, once I started to develop my emotional intelligence, all of that changed too. So I was labeled with special needs taken out for classes. I was placed on anti-anxiety medicine, medication for OCD. So I had generalized anxiety disorder, OCD, and ADD. And I had terrible relationships. So when I turned 23, I moved to a new city. I got out of my old town, which I labeled as the problem. And I'm doing a very quick, short summary. There's so much you know, involved. 
But the point is, I believe that everything and everyone around me was the problem and it wasn't me. I had what is called that victim mentality, right? Nothing's going my way, nothing's my fault, and nothing's in my control. And when I when I turned 23 and I moved to that new city, Charlotte, where I'm located now, that was when things started to take a turn for the better for the first few months. And then like most things, once we settle in, we start to realize that, oh, those patterns are coming back, right? It's kind of like going into a new relationship. You have the honeymoon phase and then things start to go back to the way they were. And that's the way it was for me. I started having panic attacks again. I started to react. I became codependent again. And the person I was with gave me an ultimatum. You get your stuff together or we're done. And I I was in a new city. I didn't know how to fend for myself. So that was when I went back to college for my degree in psychology. And during that time, I started to learn about how the chemicals in the brain are kind of, we create those by our thoughts. I mean, there is some physiology there for people that have imbalances, but that is such a slim margin. Most of us are creating our own chemical imbalances. And that was kind of an aha moment for me because I was told my entire life, like, you were dealt a bad hand, right? It runs anxiety, depression, all of this runs in your family. And so I'm on all these medications and I started to take a deep dive in self-development and I ran across Daniel Goleman's book, Emotional Intelligence. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This makes so much sense. And I started to apply what I was reading and I read more and more books. I think I read 62 self-help books in a matter of two years. (laughs) And I just absorbed it like a sponge and tried to apply everything. And it changed my life. It took seven years, but it changed my life. And I was so passionate about it. You know, when I graduated from college, I went straight into corporate America. I worked for Wells Fargo for three and a half years. But the whole time I was working at Wells Fargo, I'm talking about this stuff. I joined Toastmasters and I gave speeches about self-development and emotional intelligence and awareness. And people are like, you were really passionate about this. Have you thought about doing this as a career? I'm like, no, but now I am. And it took about a year and I decided to leave my full-time job, found my first business, Catalyst for Change, and work with primarily male entrepreneurs on emotional intelligence. And that just kind of fell into my lap. I didn't search for male entrepreneurs, but that's who I connected with and it kind of stuck. And then I just wanted to expand my reach, which led to me founding Emotional Intelligence Magazine. So there's a very quick summary of a really detailed history. So what is your business model? You've got the magazine, you've got your podcast, you've got your book. We're going to get into all of those things. How is it are you in service to either individuals or businesses? Mm, So since I started the magazine, I have kind of put the coaching and facilitation on the back burner because being an editor-in-chief of a magazine is a full-time job in and of itself. But, you know, originally with Catalyst for Change, I was coaching, I was facilitating workshops, and I was doing speaking engagements really to develop the foundation of emotional intelligence, which is self-awareness. Because I feel like that's what needs to be focused on more so than What we're trying to do is like, how do we have better communication? How do we have better people skills? You cannot have those things until you start with self-awareness. It all starts with self-awareness. And 
I also felt, and I'm sure you felt this way before yourself. There's so many people claiming to be coaches and claiming to be experts in emotional intelligence because it is a hot topic these days. And I'm just naturally an introvert. Like I love people, but I also don't like to be in the spotlight. And I felt like I had to be in the spotlight to excel in that area of my business. And I was just not feeling doing the TikTok and the Instagram and plastering my face 24-7 on social media. It's not me. And so I'm like, what can I do to be just as impactful, if not more so, without feeling like I have to be in the spotlight? I want to be the wizard behind the curtain. And that's where the magazine idea came in. Because there's so many amazing resources out there around emotional intelligence, but there's not a one-stop shop. Like you cannot go to Google and find a resource that has everything you need around emotional intelligence. You can find articles all over the place. But what I also found was many of the articles that you find focus on the exact same thing. They regurgitate what's already out there. What is emotional intelligence? Why is it important? And how do you develop it? But everything is surface level and it doesn't dive deep into the nitty gritty, which is really where the change happens. And so I wanted to be that person to bring all that great information to one spot. So on the magazine, there's aggregated content because I feel like it's important to showcase amazing resources that are already out there. There's original content. I also have a platform for other EI specialists because you cannot find us out there. There's not a place where you can say, I want to find an EI specialist. You can find EI training, but you can't find specialists. So I wanted to offer a platform. So it is a smorgasbord of resources around EI. So this is why I'm smiling right now, because this now I am remembering why I wanted to bring you on. Because again, one person I had on my podcast, she said she was a trailblazer. She saw the writing on the wall long before the world really realized that it was an issue. And she's been talking about it for years and years. And what you have shared with me, and again, I have come into some of that work in emotional intelligence. And yes, it resonated with me. It was some of the self-help I needed to understand because again, I was dealt a set of cards. There are some situations in my past where I now know why I am an A1 personality. I like to control my environment because I didn't feel safe and in control before. But those behaviors could potentially impact relationships that are near and dear. So it takes that self-awareness and time and maturity to realize there are different ways to act. And also, we don't have to accept the narratives of what we think or what we were told but we can create new ones going forward. So this is why your work is so important. And the fact that you recognize a niche, something that's missing that you're doing on your own terms. And again, when I, I'm turning a little bit to my audience right now, yes, you can read these self-help books and you know go to the gym five days a week to get a particular result and you may or may not be successful. But at the end of the day, you've got to look at all the resources out there and figure out what works for you and your personality type. So when you hit the ground running, it works for you. To your point, the magazine, I now see it. It's that vehicle for which you are doing the work on your terms, connecting the world, connecting the dots, and providing something that has greater impact than maybe only connecting with one person, 10 people, maybe 100 people at a time, but a vehicle to reach thousands or more. So I love that work that you're doing. Thank you. 
So what has the journey been like for you now that the magazine is out there? It's relatively new, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It launched January 1st. Oh, congratulations on that. I know we don't usually want to date these things, but congratulations for that. A major endeavor. How have you evolved with this endeavor? What is, what's been the impact on you? Oh gosh. <laughs> I, and again, anyone who's an entrepreneur or someone that's a go-getter will totally understand where I'm coming from with this. So once an idea pops into my head, like it is go, right? Like pedal to the metal. There's no stopping. It's just go. And I was a, so I thought of the magazine October 28th. I had a full working website by November 7th that I built out. And I had a full like issue already written and ready to go by mid-December. Like I was working 14-hour days. I worked on Christmas. And I'm not saying that people should do that, right? But it's like when you have a passion, it's not work, right? It's you're you're you love what you're doing. So that was like so exciting and exhilarating for me because I was doing what I loved and I had a vision and I wanted to put it out there. The problem is whenever you do things that fast, you also expect to see results just as quickly as you act. And so within those 30 days, like it launched and I'm like a month in and I'm like, why am I not getting more engagement than I am? Where is everybody at? And everybody's like, it's been 30 days. It's been 30 days. In my numbers, when I told people my numbers, they're like, they're good numbers. What are you complaining about? Like the first month I had 1400 unique views without marketing. And I was able to get Gary Vaynerchuk for an interview for the first issue. And I reached out to his publicist before I even had a magazine (laughs) promoting the magazine. And so that's where I need to check in with myself and have that awareness to say, be patient. Like you can go fast, but be patient. And I, um, going fast also led to burnout. And you would think because I, I practice emotional intelligence that that wouldn't happen, that I wouldn't become frustrated, but I did. And like probably mid February, I just broke down and I was crying for an entire day like an entire day, pity fest, tissue stacked up in the windowsill. You could bear, I mean, it looked like a snow piled up, you know, on the windowsill, but I needed that. Right. And, and I think that's, that's something that I tried to share with people is that just because you're practicing emotional intelligence, just because you may have high emotional intelligence, doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days. Doesn't mean you don't need an emotional release. But when I was having that emotional release, I let it go because I knew holding it back was not healthy for me. That's what I needed. And I knew that the very next day would be a good day. That's such an impactful journey. And again, sometimes creativity and passion gets squelched when either the environment you're in doesn't recognize it right away. Or And then that could lead to self-doubt. I mean, I think people, whether they're in business or in their own or in a, in a corporate environment, will say, oh, this presentation is great. This initiative is great. I put all kinds of energy. I shopped it around. And then you present it and it's not received in the same way that you put it out into the world. It is hard. And that's what builds tenacity to either say, I'm going to keep going and find the environment that appreciates me 
or not. And I can so appreciate what you said. God, there's so many things I can relate to, but I too wrote the book, The CEO's Compass, Your Guide to Get Back on Track as my, I don't know, a little bit of self-help that I had to go through. I remember my children as I was going through a difficult time, I was walking miles and miles and miles a day, 10 miles a day, listening to podcasts, reading, and and going through a lot of self-reflection when my kids say, hey, is mom okay? She's doing an awful lot of walking. But you need to go through those moments to either go in a different direction or say, I'm going to keep going because I believe in this work. And so just encouragement to everybody. If you are passionate about something, yes, you have to meet your needs, put food on the table and and have balance in your life. But don't doubt yourself that just because one area doesn't appreciate your work, keep going. And so now the book, The CEO's Compass, I don't have tens of thousands of purchases, but anybody that's read the book that's come back to me and say, this is what I loved about it and how it impacted me, that's worth its weight in gold. So you have said some very profound things in some of our conversations, and you have some talking points or thoughts around being versus doing. And I think it's a great wake-up call, and I want you just to share a little bit more about your insights. And for people listening, reflect upon your own situation of just being or doing. So please share some more, Brittany Nicole. Yeah. So I'm going to take it back just a little bit, because you were talking about your book and how it was therapeutic for you. and. It was kind of the same thing for me. I just kind of laid it all out there because I was becoming frustrated. And this ties into the being versus doing because I was seeing so many people blaming others for why things were the way they were, not just blaming others, but blaming tools and resources. For example, social media. Social media is the problem. No, social media is not the problem. It's a tool. And it is how it's being used that is the problem. And how it is being used is a direct indicator of our society's behavior and mindset and emotional intelligence. So we need to stop focusing on social media as the problem and say, why are we using social media to create a problem and really trace it back to the root source? And it's because we are always looking for the next thing that's going to solve our problems very quickly. That's the way our society has been structured. And that goes to the being versus doing. And so in the book, what I wanted to focus on is why is our society like this? First off, before we go and try and fix things, because we're trying to fix it in the wrong ways, right? And when I go into organizations and they say, well, we have an issue with communication. Can you teach people how to be an effective communicator? I can give you all the tools and resources out there for how to communicate effectively. The problem is when you walk away from my presentation, how many people are actually going to implement the things that they learned? They're going to expect other people to pick up on that and implement it, but they themselves don't see the need to implement it because they, quote unquote, aren't the issue, right? So again, it goes back to that lack of awareness and how we are using these tools. And part of awareness is understanding not just our emotions, you know, when it comes to emotional intelligence, obviously, awareness is being in touch with your emotions, your thought process, why you do what you do, understanding how other people perceive you, your interactions with others. But when it goes to an organization implementing practices or things like EI, communication skills, anything that is facilitating the 
the people problems or trying to solve for people problems. They are looking at their bottom line. They are looking at retention, performance, customer service, all the things that are going to improve their business. But they don't always ask, you know, what is going on with each of my individual employees that are making them react and behave in the ways that they are. And so they want them to do the work, but they don't want them to become the person that is going to have to embody all of these things. That's the missing part there is that, again, we are so focused on lagging indicators of success, which sometimes if the planets line up well, you might get the result. And then other times you don't get the result. And then the leaders beat on their people to try to get the result. But I think the greater opportunity is to look at what are the people's capability, whether it's emotional or technically, to be able to do the work. And when you close that gap in in your work, how they interface, how they communicate, when you close those skills gaps, the technical competency is going to ultimately enable you to get the results you want. But focusing on the results, you're already losing the game. Focus on the people's capability. That leading indicator is going to ultimately help you through whatever business growth or challenge you have. And it's the exact same way that we treat illnesses too. So think about it. We take medication to solve for the symptoms, but that medication doesn't always cure the underlying issue. Yes. Right? Just mitigates it. It doesn't address the condition. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's work. It takes effort. And we just naturally, we don't want to put in the effort because it's painful or it's uncomfortable or we have to look within ourselves and we just, we do not like to do that. It's not pleasant. And may not have the support system. We don't have the tools to be able to do that. Sometimes we need a coach. Sometimes we need resources. Sometimes we need a community. That if you make the decision to make a change either about behavior or how we react to the world, or I want to develop a new skill, you do have to have the awareness and then make the conscious effort and then even reach out for the help that you need. I'm working with a client right now. I'm so grateful. They are growing. They are changing. They need more resources, but they're also looking at the resources they have and realize I got great technical talent, but they don't have the skills to be able to influence others. And so how can we leverage that skill and expand upon that? So the guys need to come in and work with that person. And I can't, don't have the solution yet, but I need to understand are they first technically competent, but then if they have an idea or they want to make a change, what is the gap between being able to do it and not having the impact? That's the work we need to do is understand the condition and then work on developing those skills so they can have a better impact or interaction with the world. So who are you looking to connect with? Because I know you've got the magazine and the book, but who really needs to know more about your work and and who needs it? Because I would love if the people are listening now to say, you know what, I'm more interested in the work that you're doing, connect with you. Or are there people that even through my network, I can maybe bring to and say, go see Brittany Nicole. She's got what you need in terms of building capability or resources. Because I would love to know a little bit more about who or what that person or organization looks like. Yeah. Thanks, Deb. So exciting news. I haven't actually announced this yet. So I guess this will (laughs) be the first time announcing it. But ideally coming later this year, I want to roll out a subscription model for smaller organizations. So let's say 50 to a thousand employees. 
And the way that it's going to work is every month they get a facilitator. They'll have a workshop that their employees can attend and it's all virtual. And I'm going with very well-known speakers that have, you know, a history of delivering like great content. And then they're going to have stuff to support that content throughout the entire month. So every single day, their employees will get a journal prompt, an article, a video, something that helps to build on that workshop that they just attended. Because that's one reason that we fail to implement things. It's great, but we don't keep building on it afterwards. We don't have those reminders. We have to keep applying it. And so I'm starting that. And if anyone doesn't have like a human resources department, this is a fantastic alternative and an affordable alternative. So I love your offer and the subscription because I too find the same thing in the work that I do. People will say, Deb, I need you to come in and fix this problem. Okay, great. I can check the box, fix that problem for them. And I'll say, when I leave, how are you going to maintain it? How are you going to build upon it? Do you have the capability to continue the work that we've done? And so often we're short-sighted and don't realize that in order to build a new skill, it's not a one and done. We have to anchor it with support. Not You have to be shown how to do it. Maybe you'll have the benefit of a workshop and practice a little bit, but you need to practice and have a coach and that support to say, okay, now I got this. That's what's the next opportunity for me. So businesses really need to know that is don't waste your money on training unless you have something that's going to support them to continue to evolve that capability, whether it's your own or an external resource. So I'm so pleased that you're going to put that out into the world. Yeah, I'm excited. So this has been amazing. We're going to bring this to a close, but I want you to have just an opportunity when speaking to my listeners. Are there any last closing thoughts or tips that they can take and start doing right now to have a better grasp around their emotional intelligence and either around themselves or the interactions with the world? Because we didn't go real deep into that. That's what your content's about. But what can people take away as they leave today from this conversation? Thank you so much, Deb. I'm going to just say self-compassion. And some people may say, well, how does that apply to business? But I realized for me personally, until I was able to have compassion for myself, I wasn't able to develop my awareness because I didn't want to see the things that I needed to see to evolve and improve. And equally, I couldn't give that compassion and empathy to others until I had it for myself. And so I think that by developing that, everything else will naturally follow because you will become curious because you're not afraid, right? You don't have that fear that comes with looking at your quote unquote skeletons, right? You say, oh, I get it now. That has nothing to do with who I am. That's not my identity. That's a lesson to learn from. And that's that's what I really look to for my growth or give the credit for. Beautiful words. I am just so grateful to have met you, learn about your work, support your work. And I do hope listeners will reach out to Brittany Nicole Connor Savarda, a very uh, unique name, a beautiful name, full of passion and wonderful work that people can leverage. So I just want to say thank you, Brittany Nicole, for being such an amazing guest. Thank you, Deb. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. 
If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.